You're listening to the Growth Experts Podcast. So if you're looking to 10X your business by learning proven growth strategies, you're in the right place. During my interviews with top CEOs, entrepreneurs, and marketers, I dig deep to uncover the real strategies, hacks, and tools to help you achieve your goals. And I'm your host, Dennis Brown. Hey everyone, this week we're giving away a six-month subscription to leadquizzes.com valued at $300. Leadquizzes helps you create interactive lead generation quizzes to help you grow your email list. This is the same software I use to generate over 20,000 leads for my business in 2017. For a chance to win, subscribe to the podcast, then take a snapshot or picture showing your subscribe and text it to 716-218-8981 or email it to growthexperts at yahoo.com. Now let's get back to the show. Welcome everybody. And today we have yet another amazing guest. His name is Jeffrey Shaw, and he's the host of a very popular business podcast called Creative Warriors. He's a nationally acclaimed keynote speaker. He's a business coach for entrepreneurs, and he's the author of a best-selling book called Lingo, Discover Your Ideal Customer's Secret Language and Make Your Business Irresistible. And I want to welcome Jeff to the show. Welcome. Hey, thank you, Dennis. I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you so much. I have not had an opportunity to read your book yet, but I can tell you, I've interviewed quite a few authors since the launch of Growth Experts, and this is one that I definitely, definitely have to get. Do you have it on Audible? It's not on Audible yet. We're working You're on that, actually. You're, being a- You're killing me. <laughs> it's on Kindle. It's on paperback. Yeah, we actually decided to hold off on the Audible a little bit because I wanted to get the book out there for a bit, and I'm so glad I did, Dennis. And, and uh, you know, sometimes we find growth in ways that we don't expect, but once the book was done, there has been so many things that I would have added to the book. So by through my own podcast, Creative Warriors, I'm able to to add more content for the book. So now when I do the audible version, it is not going to be me just reading the book. I'm going to add a lot of content. So the audible version is actually going to be a bigger book, if you will, than even the printed version. So oh, nice. People will want both, I think. Nice. Oh, no, absolutely. Usually... I'll almost always do an, it's really weird how I do books. I do the, almost always do the audible book first when available and any book that I like, I always buy the hard copy after because what I like to do the second time through is I go through it because I don't have to read it the same way, right? I can pick and choose the, the, the chapters and I'll do some highlighting and stuff. And I mean, I want to get too far off on a tangent, but congratulations on the book. You Thank know, you. I've, I've read some great things about it. And so Before we dive into some of that, the meat and potatoes of what we're going to talk about today, can you just give us a little bit of a backdrop on you, your business, you know, tell us what's going on over there. Sure. Well, I think it's important for people to understand that I have been an entrepreneur for 33 years, most of that time as a a high-end portrait photographer. I did portraits of families and children for very affluent families throughout the, uh, the world and still do on a very, very limited number just a handful of clients at this point. But that really was my mainstay, or has been my mainstay for 30 years. Along the way, about nine years ago, because of my success in, in what was truly an unusual field, I think photographers have the second highest failure rate, like next to restaurants or something. So in here, you know, I had reached this pinnacle of success in the industry. So people started coming to me in droves, wanting to know my secrets, what I, how I formed my business. And 
and I gave him the best advice I could, but then I also wanted to make it legitimate. So I, I sought out coach training and trained myself extensively so I could really validate the information I was giving. And, um, but that led me to, you know, way outside the creative industries. I now coach people from all different walks of life. And of course that puts you on stages. So I started speaking and lingo has an interesting history because it's actually the oldest story of my life <laughs> and yet more relevant today than it's ever been. Because when really challenged and pushed as to answer the question, why have I been successful? Why was I successful as a photographer? particularly such a young age, I was 20 years old when I started out. How did I build a successful coaching practice so quickly that other coaches were coming to me and saying, hey, how'd you do that? And can you teach me? So I'm coaching other coaches. At the end of the day, Dennis, it all came down to this concept of lingo. And I realized that's how I built my businesses. And what I mean by lingo is truly speaking your ideal customer's secret language. What's their essence? So you're, you're communicating your brand message and the way you build your businesses is communicating to the ideal customer that you've carved out that's best for you. And it's almost as if they're the only ones that can see it and hear it. Got and it. people that don't get it don't respond to it. So it's it's this was a turning point moment for me when I was 23. So I went into business at 20 years old as a photographer back in my hometown, which is a little town upstate New York, not quite as far as upstate as you are, but that's <laughs> <laughs> just cold, York. probably. <laughs> or as gold, Dutchess County, New York, and failed miserably for three years. And then I had this idea implanted in my head that, that I needed to shift. And I stepped into this strategy that I teach in Lingo, and I know we're going to talk about today, so I don't have to explain it too much. But I stepped into this strategy, really understanding what it meant to speak the lingo of your ideal customer. And in one year, my, my business multiplied by five times. Now, I moved my business. I moved it to the market that was, would be better served by what I had to offer. But from a growth perspective, just take that in. I mean, my business multiplied five times in a single year. And okay. I was 23 years old. 23 years old, already, you know, I was well into the six figures, which in the 80s was a really big deal at right. 23 years old because Absolutely. I took my business to that level of growth that quickly based on what I teach in lingo. So it's like the oldest story in a way from, of my journey of entrepreneurship, but it's more relevant today than ever because I think this is the this is how we want to build businesses in the future because buyer personas, avatars, those common marketing terms that we've been using for years aren't good enough anymore. People will not give you their money, give you their trust until they feel something more than that. You just, that if you just understand their demographics, their stats, and their behavior, that's not enough for them. They want to feel that like you as a business and a brand get them and then they feel aligned with the values of your company as well. That's what I mean by lingo, like that deep emotional connection of communication that leads to a love and trust relationship in business. Perfect. Before we dive into that, because I know you've got some amazing stuff we're going to dive into. I want to just talk about your business now a little bit. You, you mm -hmm. highlighted how you did photography in your 20s and then you had a successful business and then you pivoted and you even relocated, right? I know you talked, now you live in South Florida. Can you tell me a little bit about the business now? You said it's coaching entrepreneurs. So can Correct. you take a minute and tell me a little bit about how did you decide to go that direction and what does that look like now? So I refer to it actually as that I'm the freedom fighter for uncommon entrepreneurs. And I really like the term uncommon entrepreneurs because, hey, you know, none of us for, are for everybody and I'm not for all entrepreneurs. I like to, to support the uncommon entrepreneur, meaning I like people that are doing freaky things, unusual things, you know, whether they're coaches or designers or artists, or I have coaching clients that 
one in particular that I'm working with now that we had to create a term for him because it didn't really exist, right? I've worked with data processors, programmers who are building amazing businesses, but it's not the common thing. You know, it's not a commodity. It's not selling groceries. It's not something, you know, like you say, normal. Right. So right. that's what, that's what excites me. I like when people come to me for, you know, energy drinks or whatever it might be, like something that's, you would think is hard to market. And that's a key thing for me because you know what? Marketing family photography to wealthy people is incredibly difficult. <laughs> I mean, sure. people have to understand that that's, 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 it has a high failure rate. It's a hard thing to market. What I do best is market what's hard to market and brand it and connect it to the ideal customer. That's my strength. So everything I do is in support of the Uncommon Entrepreneur. Creative Warriors as a podcast is a platform for free information, just like your podcast is, for people to get amazing information on how to build a business if they're an uncommon entrepreneur. That's what I talk about on stages. And that's who I coach. So really, it's one mission. And whether it's coaching, speaking, or the podcast, that's just different mediums that I choose to get that message across. But I'm all out and all in support of uncommon entrepreneurs. Perfect. So it sounds like you've got a thriving business because that's, I'm a big believer in, you know, riches are in niches. And you've really, you know, you mentioned something and a term came to me, you said uncommon entrepreneurs. I mean, if you're doing uncommon entrepreneurs, you're already doing the uncommon of the uncommon, right? You know, because it's a very kind of small subset of the whole entrepreneur, you know, group, you know, that, that is thriving these days. We're still a pretty small group, but ultimately how are you getting clients now? I mean, building a coaching business is not easy, right? I mean, there's a, just like any other business, if you had to pick one or two strategies that are, have been the most successful for you in building that coaching business, getting new clients, what would they be? Speaking by far my number one strategy, you know, it's because it, people, you know, I, Dennis, I used to really kind of despise the term thought leader. I've come to terms with it. But I always felt it was fraught with a lot of ego for somebody to call themselves a thought leader. <laughs> but I actually have a post on my computer that says you, you can't be a thought leader if you don't lead with your thoughts. And what that reminds me is that I need to get on stages because every time I stand on a stage and I share my perspectives, people latch on to it. It's what they've been waiting to hear. I used to, I, I've kind of drifted away from it for my latest keynotes, but my earlier keynotes, I had a tradition of always starting my presentations off with a picture of me doing a headstand. I practice yoga and I would, I would often show up to a city like Houston or something ahead of time. And I would do a headstand in front of a a recognizable monument in that city. And I would quickly throw it in my presentation. And then that's how I'd start off my presentations. And mind you, this is a entrepreneurial or business organization. And I would start it off that way because I want them to know right away that this is going to be different, right? This is not going to be your typical PowerPoint presentation. And in fact, I think the answer to most everything for an uncommon entrepreneur is opposite of what everybody else is doing. It's upside down from the way business is doing normally. So I set the stage initially right that way. So when I throw out these perspectives that people have been waiting to hear, you know, I, my Twitter profile, I haven't looked at it in a while, but it, it, well, actually, I think I recently changed it, but it used to say forcing creative thinking people to focus blocks creativity. People latched onto that because they've been waiting to hear that message of freedom for so long because so many people have been told throughout their whole lives, you must focus on one thing, sit still, don't, you know, don't chase squirrels. And I come along, and I'm like, hey, you know what? Forcing people to focus on one thing blocks creativity. The creative mind is not designed to hone in on one thing. The fact of the matter is a creative mind sees, hears, and feels more than everybody else. It just does. 
And to shut that down is counterintuitive to actually resulting in creative outcomes, creative and innovative outcomes. This type of messaging, which is what people have not been hearing, because most people are not speaking to the uncommon entrepreneur. They're not speaking to the creative mindset. So by far, my number one growth strategy is speaking. When I go on a stage, people want to work with me as a coach. The podcast, of course, has elevated a level of platform. And I'm fortunate Creative Warriors has been very successful that it's now my, you know, when I'm introduced, it's always Jeffrey Shaw, host of Creative Warriors. I don't know. I mean, not that I have a world of degrees, but it wouldn't matter. <laughs> Your host of Creative Warriors has superseded. So the, plot, the podcast has been a great, great growth strategy. And then, you know, third, I don't want to be shy about it. You know, to succeed in business, you have to have specific growth strategies. For example, I create lead magnets. I create content that people really want. Or my number one in history, my most successful lead magnet I've ever created right now is one that's very popular right now. It's called 12 Must-Have Mindsets for Uncommon Entrepreneurs. And people download it. And I give this away you know, on my website. Occasionally on my podcast, I give it away. And people flood to download it. And when they download it, it's followed up with a video series that they don't know is coming, but it's a surprise. Like, okay, now there's a four-day video series. In the video series, I invite them to take a, a business assessment, eight simple questions so they can understand the current status of their business. And for those that fill out that self-assessment, the results of their assessment are emailed to me. I look at their assessment and I see, if I see a gaping hole in their business or something that needs to be fixed, I reach out to them and say, hey, you know what? In reviewing your assessment, I have a couple ideas for you. Why don't we hop on a call? We hop on a call. The goal of that call is to, for me to give them amazing value. I don't, I'm not trying to sell them into coaching. I truly am sincere in saying I see something in your assessment that can help you address the needs of your business. I just deliver value and say nothing else. And from there, people will often say, well, would it be like to work with you as a coach? How do I do that? Right. So that's very, from a growth perspective, that I just want to point out, it's like, it's not all kumbaya, like you start a podcast, you stand on stages, and I'm not a believer that you build it and they will come, right? I believe you have to, you have to meet all efforts at least halfway. So, hey, being on stages is great. People want to hire me, my podcast. But in my business, I also have very specific growth strategies that bring people one step at a time closer to me and to the idea that they might want to work with me as a coach. Yeah. And you know, it's a really good point because I had a debate recently with with a friend of mine about free speaking engagements and do they generate business? Do they generate clients? And I think one of the things that stood out to me that you just shared was, you know, you're doing things that are very unique. There are hundreds and thousands of people that speak that never get clients because maybe their maybe their content is just the the same old me too content. Maybe their approach is the same old me too approach. Maybe they're just boring speakers and they put everybody to sleep. But what I got from what you said in all three of those parts about the speaking, about the podcast and about your content is you take a unique approach to it. And I can just tell by talking to you, obviously you're a very dynamic speaker, so no one's falling asleep <laughs> during your conversation. So, so yeah, I think that's a big differentiator because again, I've had a pretty healthy debate with this friend. And she's dead set against speaking for free now and said that it's never generated her anything significant. And um, I just I just don't understand it because every time mm -hmm. I speak, I always generate new business. Yeah. Literally 100% of the time within a short period after doing any any really highly targeted speaking engagement, I always generate new business. 
Yeah, I would say it's she probably is in front of the wrong audience. And, and you know, let's talk about the word audience for a moment, because I, I actually like using the word audience more than market because I, we look at it different. First of all, I don't from a terminology perspective, I, I hate the term target market. I think if we look at our if we look at the people that we want to work with and for them to give us you know, money out of their hard earned pockets or hard earned money out of their pockets, we shouldn't be looking at them as, pe- as people we want to target, right? I think energetically, it's just a nasty way of looking at it. I like to look at them as an audience, right? So whether it's an, a literal audience with butts and seats, or it's an audience of people that you want to offer your product or service to, I think looking at them as an audience is key. Now, my number one growth strategy and what Lingo as a book is entirely about is working with your ideal customer, right? So let's say it's working with your ideal, getting in front of your ideal audience. Whenever a business doesn't work, and And I have a very specific, aside from longer term coaching, I also offer what's called lingo coaching, which is very concise. Certainly, you know, within six to eight weeks, we go through a whole program and uh, define somebody's ideal customer and help build their branding message. The whole goal of that is to really get into who is their ideal audience, who's their ideal customer. As I said, Dennis, it's my number one growth strategy. Uh, Now, admittedly, when you want to work with only your ideal customer, Admittedly, it might take a little longer to get going because that means you're going to stay say no to everybody who's not ideal, right? So entrepreneurs can get really impatient. And when they get impatient or they get desperate, they start taking whatever work comes along. And that becomes a scarcity loop that you can almost never get out of. The best growth strategy in the long term is to say no to the non-ideal customer, to be very clear, of course, which we'd have to spend too much time. But first, you have to be clear on who your ideal customer is. But by the strategy is by working with your ideal customer, you will have a higher percentage of the people who are willing to pay you what you're worth, which you will impress with your with your deliverable, which, of course, excites them. And they tell other people the other people that they know in their world is are likely to be like them. And because you've produced good value for them, they're pretty clear on what you can do. So when they refer you, they refer you specifically for what you do and what you do well, which means if somebody else wants that, again, you're just getting another ideal customer. It is the fastest cycle to a positive growth loop in business that I know of. And in fact, in Lingo, I talk about busting up the Pareto principle. The Pareto principle is the 80-20 rule. Now, I'm not going to argue with its accuracy because there is in many avenues of life. It is true. The Pareto principle says that 80% of your income comes from 20% of your customers. And it's, that's true to a large degree. I think it's an outdated concept and it's not one we should strive for because really break that down. What that means is that eight out of 10 customers are a waste of your time, right? If only two out of eight customers are giving you 80% of your business, then only two were worth your time. And I don't know about you, Dennis, but no entrepreneur that I know of today has time for that. No, I agree. We need all our customers to pay off. So your fastest growth strategy is only working with your ideal customers. That means defining who that ideal customer is. We can talk about that a little bit because I don't want to leave people hanging on. But first, you have to define who your ideal customer is. You have to build a branding message and a website and your entire branding appearance around speaking the secret language of that customer so that they see see you above the crowd. And then you will create a positive growth in your business. And like I said, it may take a little longer to get going, but once it gets going, it tips faster and faster than any other business growth strategy that I know of. You know, you brought up a really good point. 
when most people start a business, any customer is the perfect customer, right? As long as they've got cash in hand, they're the perfect customer because you know they're going to keep the wheels moving. But it can be a huge distraction and it can totally change the the future of your business if you get bogged down with the wrong customers, right? So you can't recover from that. I, I just want to point out one thing. Uh, sorry to interrupt you, but I just says I want to point out with that, like Home Depot. Think about it. Home Depot will never become a boutique. Because right. they're available to such a huge audience. And hey, they've got a great business model. That's their business model. But it is in business, it is impossible to, ha- to go from pleasing everyone to only pleasing a few. So when you've started your business off by working with almost everyone or anyone that was willing to pay you, when you start your business off that way, just know you will almost, it is almost impossible to ever get out of it. Yeah, makes sense. You know, can you do me a favor? Because I'm really, really intrigued. And I know we have a limited amount of time, but I'm sure you could give us kind of the the Cliff Notes version of it before people buy the book. Could we talk a little bit about that process that you discuss in the book where, you know, you show people how to, you know, how to discover and develop the secret language of their ideal customer? Can we go through that a little bit? Sure. Yeah. So there are what I refer to as five steps of building the secret language strategy. There's a, a step, if you will, before that, and that is to first define who your ideal customer is. So the goal here is you're going to define who your ideal customer is, and then I offer the five-step strategy to build a business that attracts them. So I'm going to take an overview on all this. So number one, to define who your ideal customer is, you might not be surprised. It's backwards of what you think. All right. So in order for you to figure out who your ideal customer is, it really has very little to do with your ideal customer. It has everything to do with you. You first have to figure out who you are best for. In my book, Lingo, the chapter, which is chapter number two on defining your ideal customer, the name of the chapter is who would love that, right? So it actually starts with what is your skill set? What are your innate characteristics? What are you unusually good at? What have people complimented you on your whole life? What makes you incredible and who would love that? So defining your ideal customer actually is an inward process first. And then saying, well, this type of person, this audience would love this, right? So it's, that's step number one. That's how you, you actually define your ideal customer by first a self-study and then asking, and who would love that? Completely backwards to the way it's always been taught. So you look inward first and then you work out. Right. Right. What's your skill set? What are your innate characteristics? A quick example, I'm a complete neat freak. Like I drive people crazy with how neat and organized I am. Right. But you know who I don't drive crazy? You know who loves that? Affluent families who are really buttoned down, who don't ever want a single detail overlooked. That's why they love me. Right. right. So that innate characteristic for compulsively being neat is awesome for who I ended up serving. So truly is understanding your skill set, your innate characteristics first, and then saying, well, then who would love that? That's how you align yourself with the easy customer, your ideal customer, because they already love what you, you're not changing yourself. You're not being somebody you're not. You're not trying to trip over yourself to please them. They already love everything about you because you're just, that's why they feel like, man, this person just gets me. They're just like me. Perfect. All right. So first you define your ideal customer and then there are five steps. Number one, perspective. You can't serve your ideal customer until you understand their perspective on the world. So you have to proverbial and literally walk in their shoes, right? What do they see when they, how do they experience the world? What do they need to see, hear, and feel from you in order to want to hire you? So you have to understand their perspective. Second is familiarity. One of the biggest emotional triggers we have as humans is comfort. We are drawn to what makes us feel comfortable. 
what's familiar to us makes us feel comfortable. So once you understand someone's perspective, if their perspective is, you know, shopping in discount stores or their perspective is, is shopping in high-end stores, that's an environment that's familiar to them, right? So you want to draw people into your business by creating online environments, your website, your branding, your marketing, your email marketing, by creating a feeling that's already familiar to the world they're already walking in, which you can't do until you understand their perspective, which is why perspective comes first. Third step is style. Style is pretty surface level, but we make decisions based on style every day. And quickly, we walk down any mall or Main Street USA and we make decisions immediately on what stores we go into or in those that we don't based on whether that style resonates for us or not. So once you understand the perspective and what's familiar to our ideal customer, you then want to execute your business in a style that will resonate for them so that they will make an instant decision when browsing for your service or product online probably. It'll stop them in the tracks because that style resonates for them, right? I mean... I just turned 54 years old. I don't shop in Abercrombie and Fitch anymore, right? <laughs> so that's <laughs> right. not my style. I'll go into Ted Baker, right? You know your style. You know what's familiar to you. So the style is really important because we only have, what, seven seconds to get someone's attention today. They make that decision within seven seconds based on whether the style resonates for their way of being or not. If that. If that, right. Next is price. Pricing psychology is incredibly important because pricing creates perception. You can position your product or service any place in any market based on how you price yourself. If you want to be perceived as high end, then there's a psychology for that. You make it expensive. You round off the number. You don't have dollars and cents. If you want to be perceived as affordable, easily accessible, and cost conscious, then you price yourself like Walmart, where all the products are price down to the 100th of a cent, right? The difference is in the high end, when things are rounded off, you want to keep your pricing kind of vague because you don't want people to be highly price conscious. If you are if you have a product or service on the low end, you want to price it to the 100th of a cent so people feel like I'm not paying even 100th of a cent more than I have to for this product. Gotcha. <laughs> right? So yeah, that makes sense. Pricing psychology, you can position yourself any place in the world based on pri- how you price yourself. And lastly are the words. Now, Words, of course, we know are powerful. They're like smoke signals, right? So the words that you execute on your website, in your branding, in your email marketing, how you communicate everything you know about your ideal customers communicated through words and you have to use them correctly. So for example, on the high end, you would say something about an upgrade where on the low end, you would talk about a discount. But you can't expect a high end client drawn in by the idea of discount. That doesn't mean anything to them right? It might even drive them away, right? It might even drive, it will likely drive them away, right? So that's the point. When you use the strategy, the whole point, the secret language strategy is a strategy intended to magnetize your ideal customer and filter out the rest. People that are not right for you will know that they're not right for you. It's what I refer to in my, in lingo as self-qualifying. When your branding is done under the premise of the secret language strategy, your clients, the people in the world will literally self-qualify whether they're right for you or not. So you're actually, in the end, you're not saying no very often because your branding and your message is so accurate that people are self-qualifying and only your ideal customers are stepping forward. But I just want to point out again that this five-step strategy is laid out in sequence and in the intended order. And the reason words is last is because you can't possibly communicate the right branding message until you know your ideal customer's perspective, what's familiar to them, what their style is, the pricing psychology. And yet, every business 
as a startup does this backwards. The first thing businesses do is they start a website, they throw a bunch of words on it, and they wonder why they're not getting their ideal customer because they've not done all the work and steps ahead of that before you ever try to communicate what your business is about. Yeah, I agree 100%. That's the first thing people think that they need to do is to go out and build a website, create some brochureware, or even a, a physical brochure, depending upon the type of company. And then the next thing they know, three, four, five, six months later after they're struggling, they've got to reinvent the whole thing over because they totally missed the mark, right? That's assuming that they don't go out of business, right? When people come to me, I always say, and actually it says this right on my website for coaching, that when business isn't working, if you're not getting the results you want, it's usually for one of two reasons. You're either speaking to the wrong audience or you're saying the wrong thing to the right audience. Right. Perfect. It's that simple. Perfect. If your business isn't working, it's one of those two reasons. And my job is to dig into what I see. And it's, it's, all, it's, it's usually a combination of, of, it's very often a combination of both. But it's often, you know, hey, you've even got the right people in front of you. They're available to you. Your ideal audience is available to you, but you're not speaking to them. That's, That's usually the biggest error. Well, I'm excited to get the book. Let's do a quick rapid fire here through a couple of questions and then we'll wrap it up. Okay. So what's your favorite growth tool or software? Something that you're using now to help you grow your business? Uh, you know, I'm going to say 17 hats. I use a lot of different programs for different reasons. Um, and I don't, I, again, I don't try to make one technology do all things. So I've got a CRM, which is Entreport, but Entreport's really about automation, right? That's my automated emails, my database, things like that. But 17 hats is my, it's my work partner. Uh, 17 hats is the software I open up every morning. It tells me my to-do list, what's on my calendar. It tracks all my leads. And that's the most important growth strategy of it because I'm doing a lot of prospecting in, in many different areas of my business, right down to, you know, trying to, to sell the book at different book signings. And um, we do a lot of prospecting. My team is very busy. So it's all tracked as, you know, cold leads, hot leads turned client. And it's all tracked through 17 hats. So that, that's, that's a really important tool to me. Perfect. And if you had to pick one book for my audience, something that you've really enjoyed here in the last year or two, what would it be? Oh my gosh, Dennis, that is the hardest question you can ask me. I read two to three books a week. I am a ferocious reader. I read a ton, one to two books. All right, so I think one of my favorite books is uh, Louder Than Words by Todd Henry. And I read that actually before I wrote Lingo. So I guess I read about a year and a half ago. I'm not sure when Todd put it out, but I, I read it and I was halfway through the book and I emailed Todd and I said, this might be the most important book of our time. Real quick summary of what Louder Than Words is about, and you'll see how I fell in love with it because it, it plays into the idea of lingo as well. What's Louder Than Words? The energy of the words. That's what I love about his book, and that's why I think it's one of the most important books of our time because I think we, as business people, we are living in a time where it's not just about what we say, it's how people feel about what you're saying, whether, whether they believe that you're authentic and trustworthy. People, a quote I use all the time is that people don't hire you because you're the best. People hire you because you get them and they get you. That's an energetic quality. And I think it's something we have to really understand because you can be the best in your field, but people are not going to put up with misaligned values and poor behavior anymore. It reminds me Being of a quote. Best, sorry about that. Go ahead. Go ahead. It reminds me of a quote. You know, people will, ne will never remember what you say, but they'll remember how you made them feel. Made them feel. Absolutely. Right? And it's where we're, people, consumers are making decisions like this every day. And that's why, so Louder Than Words by Todd Henry would be my, my choice on a favorite book. Perfect. Well, listen, you cranked it out. I really appreciate it. Do me a favor. Let the audience know how they could connect with you, 
and we'll close it out. Absolutely. So again, just walking my talk, I like to connect. I don't like to just give out information. So what I recommend is go to jeffreyshaw.com forward slash growth experts. I've actually put together a page just for your growth expert community, which is a lingo media kit, which contains an infographic of the five steps we talked about. It's an infographic visual representation and a brief description of each of those five steps. There's a free chapter and audible. Ver- there is an audio version of one of the chapters, uh, which actually has sound effects and everything to it. It's really cool. So it's the Lingo Media Kit, which you can get at jeffreyshaw.com forward slash growth experts. Start there. See that you like what I do. See that you feel like I get you and you get me. And if you do, it'll be very easy to find me. My, all my contact information is there. But start with feeling like we're connected first. Perfect. Thank you so much. I'm going to definitely check it out. I highly recommend everybody else. I want you to have an awesome day, Jeffrey. Appreciate it. And I'm sure we'll chat again soon. I hope so, Dennis. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks. Listeners, I want to thank you for tuning in. I truly appreciate your time. If you're enjoying the podcast, then do me a huge favor. Click the subscribe button now and please leave me a review. It would mean a lot to me.